0: Again, my name is Matt. I was a intern here back in 2008. Just by a show of hands, does anybody know who I am? Okay, that's what I was looking for. Thank you for the applause. Um, So I'm starting to realize that back when I was here in 2008 working in the student ministry, there's some kids that are in that ministry now that weren't even born yet. So that makes me feel pretty old. But Tyler Leland and David Diener are two of my very best friends, and we talk every single week about life and ministry, and so when they asked me to come and speak, it was my pleasure to say yes, but I'm beginning to realize what they were doing. I'm putting together that Joel starts next week, right? He's gonna be here taking over, and so they wanted to bring in somebody to set the bar really, really low, right, so that he could come in and just knock it out of the park. So that's why I'm here. I realize what's going on. I want you to think back to when you learned how to pray, however long ago that was for you. I don't know if it was recently because you're a new follower, a new believer, or if you think back to maybe it was in your childhood, when you first learned how to play. When I was a kid, uh, how I learned how to pray maybe was similar to some of you. I learned in church, I think, and I remember there were three things that we had to do before we could start to pray. And if you didn't do these three things, then you weren't allowed to pray. Maybe you know what they are. You had to bow your head, you had to close your eyes, and fold your hands, right? If you didn't do those three things, then you couldn't pray. And I don't know if it was ever explained to you like that, but that's how I took it. And there were times when I would be in Sunday school where we had to wait and wait until John would finally close his eyes before we could start praying. They were like the prerequisites before you begin praying, and I want you to know that those are not the prerequisites to prayer. Those are ways to keep kids from being distracted, right, while you pray, but my fear is that for many of us that maybe have grown up in the church or been around Christianity for uh, much of our lives is that we've never really learned the right way to pray, or maybe even the meaning of prayer. Pastor and author, Timothy Keller describes prayer like this. Like a prayer would be similar to a pill that would save your life. If you had a disease that you were dependent on taking a pill every morning and every night to save your life, to keep you alive, do you think that there would be a day that you forgot to take it? Do you think there would be a a night where you just, your day was too busy, you, you had too much going on, and you just neglected to take the pill? Or do you think that, it's probably more plausible, that because you know the power that the pill has in your life that you couldn't be more preoccupied with anything else. That nothing was more important than making sure that every morning and every night you took that pill to keep you alive. Would prayer be like that in your life? Instead of it being something that we do every day like breathing and talking and eating and walking, prayer has become to some of us like that little glass box that's on the wall that says break in case of emergency. Maybe you can think of it like this. I wonder how many of you have seen the movie Space Jam? Pretty popular movie, right? Came out in 1996. In fact, there's a new Space Jam coming out this summer. But I'm going to give you a little bit of the plot and I don't feel bad because if you haven't seen Space Jam, then that's on you, okay? So, but Space Jam, you know, we've got this this story of these NBA players who have lost their talents to these aliens, right, and, and much of the movie is about them trying to get their talents back, and so you've got guys like Patrick Ewing and, and Charles Barkley, all these guys trying to figure out different ways. They just go and see therapists and doctors, and they just don't know what's going on, but then there's this scene, and it's only a couple seconds, but there's this scene where you see Charles Barkley in a church, and he's praying, right? He's, he's, he's come to his last resort trying to get his talents back, and this is what he says, talking to God. He says, I promise I'll never swear again. I'll never get another technical. I'll never trash talk, right? He, he's bargaining with God. And if you know Charles Barkley, he's not gonna hold up his end of the deal on that, right? He, he's just not. And so, but this is the scene where, where it's like, man, if everything else fails, if nothing else works, if I can't, if the doctors can't fix it, okay, then I'll find myself in a church and I'll pray. Author and pastor from the 1800s, F.B. Meyer, says this. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Don't you to think about that quote for a second. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. I wonder how true that can be in our lives. Things that we just don't pray about, and this is becoming a little bit of a revelation in my life. We, we just need more prayer. We, we need to spend more time talking and communing with God. Think about this. If you've, Maybe you've heard this before, but if you woke up this morning and everything that you prayed about yesterday came true, everything that you prayed about was, was granted, what would be different? Who would know Christ? Whose life would be saved? What, what would be different in this world? What would be solved because of what you prayed yesterday? My fear is that many of us wouldn't even be able to answer that. We, we, or maybe no one's life would be changed but ours, or maybe at the very Worst case scenario, a couple of us in here won the lottery. Right? What do we pray about? We have to figure this out. Prayer is such an important aspect of the life of a Christian, and many of us are just forgetting to take the pill. There's a a guy named Greg Steer, who is a national, nationally known uh, promoter of evangelism for within student ministry. And uh, he wrote this article that was titled, If I Were the Devil, Here's How I Would Attack Youth Ministers. And that caught my attention, because that's what I am. I, I work with high school students. I'm a youth pastor. So I read this article, and here's what he said. He said, if I were the devil, I'd get youth leaders to minimize the importance of intercessory prayer in their own lives and in their youth ministry meetings. I'd have them focus all of their time on programming and preparation, leaving hardly any time for prayer. I'd so crowd their schedules and programs with good things that they miss the best things from God wrought through prayer. Doesn't that just make you think for a second? What are we missing? What are we we missing in our lives? What are we doing in our lives that we've minimized prayer to something that we just do before meals or or transitional moments in our our services? What are we missing? That it's just out of emergency or, or out of necessity? Are we too busy? So what I wanna to talk to you about this morning is to change our perspective on prayer. And so I have four ideas for you, four ways to pray that I think should change the way that you view prayer. So if you have a Bible with you, I wanna encourage you to turn to Colossians chapter four because we're gonna work through this text together. As Paul writes to the church of Colossae, and these words come as sort of like a bookend to his letter. He has talked about the supremacy of Christ and the importance of Christ in everyone's life. But as he wraps things up, what seems to be like a bookend is actually, actually very, very important words and powerful reminders of how we should pray. So I'm going to read Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Here's what Paul writes. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, this is a very simple text, but one with a powerful precedent towards prayer. And so I'm gonna outline four ways for us to pray. And here's the deal I truly think that if we were to put at least a few of these in, in, in practice in our lives, it could honestly change your life. That's how much I believe that this is true. That if you were to do these things, if you were to reshape your perspective on prayer, this could change the way that you pray and change your life and result. Here's the first idea is to pray with persistence. You pray with persistence. You see this right from the beginning of the text when Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer. This means to, to continue steadfastly, right? In other words, be persistent. Paul says that other, in other places he says pray continuously. That's 1 Thessalonians 5:17. So if you're looking for a place to begin memorizing scripture, that's the first one for you. 1 Thessalonians 5:17. pray continually. All right, everybody can go home saying, I I memorized scripture today. But this is the idea that Paul talks about. We pray continuously, we pray persistently. Persistently, what's that look like? It doesn't always come natural for all of us to do this. Persistence is somewhat of a, a fleeting practice, it takes diligent work, it takes character. We live in a world that we've lost this idea, right? We live in a world of instant gratification. We know what that is, right? We want what we want and we want it. Now, I'm old enough to remember a time when I was younger that if you wanted to watch a new movie, you had, well, for me, as a kid, if I wanted to watch a new movie, I had to convince my parents that it was important enough to get in the car and to drive to the movie store, like Blockbuster or something like that, for them to wait for me to browse the whole store, right? To look at every movie in there, to check one out, and then hope that they would return it within five days, right? that's how I remember it. And so it took a little of persistence. Like if I really wanted to watch a new movie, that's what I had to do. And nowadays, and we got it at our fingertips, right? You don't have to leave your couch, and you can rent a new movie with your fingertips. Persistence is something that's disappearing, but it cannot be when it comes to prayer. Persistence in prayer is not just that you pray a lot more than you do right now. It means that you persistently pray for the will of God repetitively. In your life. If you care about something, you'll pray for it more than once. Now, as a pastor, I find myself getting prayer requests often, right? Through email, through text, or just in conversation. And I get those things, and most, most of the time, I pray for those things. But you know what? I, I usually just pray one time, if I'm honest with you, right? I get the prayer request, and I'll pray for it, and then I move on. But you want to know the things that I pray about consistently or persistently? The things that I deeply care about. My wife, my kids, my, my, my ministry, the things in my life that I deeply, deeply care about, the things that keep me up at night are the things that I pray about persistently. And my attitude cannot be, well, I prayed for it, but it didn't happen. No, I, I, I continue and continue to pray. Jesus tells this parable in Luke chapter 18 where he, he tells this parable to his disciples about this woman who prayed and asked over and over and over again for something. She asked over and over again, and then finally Jesus granted her this request. And Jesus used this parable to teach his disciples this principle, to continue to pray, to never stop praying. You can find that in Luke chapter 18. It's a powerful example of persistent Prayer, because persistent prayer is, is powerful. It's recognized by God, and it can make a difference in your life. And maybe the reason that you aren't experiencing the type of relationship with God or, or prayer life with God that maybe you feel like you should or, or that you want is because you're not persistent with what you pray. You aren't praying over and over and over again. I imagine that within a room this size that some of you are. Some of you are doing this. But many of us need to learn this principle that we pray you never give up and the reality is is that we have to be persistent with what we pray there's a great story in Acts chapter 12 where Peter has been put in prison in fact the apostle James has just been killed by King Herod and Peter is in prison awaiting the same fate and he's terrified he's in a he's in a dark place but what happens next is just incredible because although Peter is in a place where he can't do anything by himself he's in prison and the next day he's likely going to be killed There's this verse that we find in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. It says this. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Is that not a beautiful piece of scripture right there? Uh, Of of the example the church should be. Peter is in a place of need. He cannot do anything for himself. In fact, the church, they can't do anything. They can't reason with Herod. They can't bribe the guards. They can't do anything to get him out. But you know what they can do? can pray and that's exactly what they did they prayed earnestly this word in the greek that 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 we find here that that in in acts is this word for earnestly is this word and it means to stretch out the hand to be uh, earnest to be resolute to be tense So, so do this with me take your hands everybody do this help me out here take your hands out and just stretch your fingertips as far as you can you feel that you feel how your hand is tense. You feel that uh, that that tenacity that's there. That you can't just. You, this is not a relaxed moment. This is the word that we find in Acts for for earnestly praying. This resolute. This this tense. This persistently holding out, stretching of the hand. And church, when you have something that you need to pray about, pray about it. But pray about it fervently, earnestly. Pray with. Persistence, no matter how long it takes, you keep praying, you keep asking. This is not a understand. this is not a recipe for you to get what you need to get from God. This is not what I'm communicating to you. This is a way for you to be persistent in your prayers. what Paul means when he writes, "Devote yourselves to prayer." Now just before meals or bedtime, you pray persistently. And I believe, because I've seen it in my own life, that when you do this, your relationship with God changes. You become closer. Maybe even your prayers are, begin to be more aligned with his will. Paul didn't command the church to pray just one time for a certain thing. He said, I want you to be devoted to prayer in every aspect of your life. And when we do this, things change. Be persistent with your prayers. Here's the second idea that I find from our text. Is that we need to pray with passion. Pray with passion. When Paul says, and he writes, being watchful, that means vigilant. It's the opposite of being slothful or routine. The Greek word here that he uses is this word gregorio, which usually means and, and describes like a, a guard who is on duty, being alert like a guard's on duty. And so if you think of, in a, in a first century, a guard who would be guarding anything, a, a castle or, or, or maybe even a tomb or, or the jail cell, whatever it is, the guard would be alert because he knew that his life was on the line right if he were to if he were to to let his guard down or or to look away or to eat a sandwich or whatever it was and and something were to happen his life would be in danger because his one sole job uh, he he messed it up and so this word being watchful is the same word that you would find with with as a guard being on duty being alert so being a watchful being watchful is another way of saying you care too much Right? You, you care too much not to be focused. And so caring is showing passion. And this is one that over the years I begin to become really interested in because I've been a Christian long enough, been around the faith long enough to have been a part of circles or groups or with people who have prayed that show no passion. We know what that looks like, right? Right? You know what that looks like. You, you've, been in, you've been in a place, you've been in a circle, you've been in a group where, where someone has prayed and you're like, you even mean that? Or, or, and this is a problem in their routine. They don't come from a place of, of passion. And here's the problem. Sometimes they start, many times they start with dear God. And I don't want to call anybody out because that's not my purpose here, but this is what we have learned. This is how I was raised as well. When you pray to God, you say, dear God, Thank you for this day. And you continue and into routine. When I teach students how to pray, I don't tell them to start with dear God. I, I, I teach students how to pray acting like it's conversation. You know why? Because it is. Prayer is a conversation with God. If you were to start a conversation with me that says, dear Matt, I'd start to get worried, right? I would start to think, okay, well what have I done, right? And that's never the the feeling that I want with students is, is to have this conversation. I want students to have a conversation with God like he's sitting right across from them. Because he is. Every time that you pray to God, he is looking right back at you. So maybe pretend and act like he is sitting right across from you. I want students to treat God like he's real. Because he is. God is not some fictitious God that we chant our prayers to. He is real, and the reality is that every time that you talk to him, every time that you pray to him, he's looking right back at you. So it's something to consider. So here's a practice for you. The next time that you pray, pray with your eyes open. Now, if you like to pray while you drive, that's definitely, you know, good advice, okay? I'll keep your eyes open when you do that. But honestly, just, just, just try this sometime. The next time that you pray, the next time that you're alone, and you have your own space, and you, and, and you want to pray, keep your eyes open. Look at a chair. Uh, look at something, and, and imagine that Jesus is right there, because he is, okay? Imagine, and see if your language doesn't change. See if you don't stare at a chair and say, dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thanks for keeping me safe. Your language will begin to change. And when this happens, you begin to show and display some more passion in your prayers, and I believe that's what God is looking for. Being watchful, alert, passionate prayers. When I was in college, I took a, pla- a, a class called Faith and Film, and this was an interesting class. I took it because the homework for this class was to watch movies and then to write a paper about how faith was portrayed in that film. Now, don't judge me. You would have taken the same class, okay? And and so I took this class, and we, we had this list of movies. We're supposed to watch it, and then we write this paper on it. And there was one of the movies that we watched for, and still to this day, there is this scene in there that's been etched into my brain. There's a movie called The Apostle. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's with Robert Duvall. Um, it's a little bit older. but and Robert Duvall, he has this character named Sonny, and he's a, he's, a, he's a preacher, and he goes by the Apostle. But he experiences some real difficulties and setbacks in his life and his ministry, and so that's what the movie's about. But there's this one scene in the middle of the movie where, where Sonny... Is, has gone, He's gone back home where, where his mom is, and, and he's up in his old bedroom, and he prays. And it's been etched into my brain of what it looks like to pray passionately. And so I brought that clip with me today, and I will show it to you.
1: Has taken my wife, my church. That's a temple I built for you. And I'm going to yell at you because I'm mad at you. I can Take it. Give me a sign or something. Blow this pain out of me. Give it to me tonight, Lord God, Jehovah. If you won't give me back my wife, give me peace. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Give me peace. Give me peace. I don't know who's been fooling with me. You are the devil. I don't know. And I won't even bring the human into this. He's just a mutt, so I'm not even going to bring him into it. But I'm confused. I'm mad. I love you, Lord. I love you. But I'm mad at you. I am mad at you. So deliver me tonight, Lord. What should I do? Now tell me, should I lay hands on myself? What should I do? I know I'm a sinner and i once in a while, woman, but I'm your servant. Since I was a little boy, you brought me back from the dead. I'm your servant. What should I do? Tell me. I've always called you Jesus. You always called me Sonny. What should I do, Jesus? This is Sonny talking now. That is my son, that he's, I tell you, ever since he was a little bitty boy, sometimes talks to the Lord, and sometimes he yells at the Lord, and tonight he just happens to be yelling at him.
0: know what your prayers look like? I imagine that they don't, right? But here's the reality. I think that if I were to guess, there are some people in this place that maybe have prayed like that. Have yelled at God. Have been honest. And say, I love you, Lord, but I'm mad at you. And then I also imagine there's some people in this room that didn't even know you were allowed to talk to God like that. Passion is what I'm hoping that you see from that. You should be praying with passion. Timothy Keller, again, says that prayer is not a passive, calm, quiet practice. Now, I've quoted him twice, and I just want to let you know real quickly, if you're really interested about this, you can read his book that's called Prayer, Experiencing All in Intimacy with God. There's some great stuff in there, but that's exactly what we were taught. Prayer is personal. It's quiet. It's calm. It's timid. But it doesn't always have to be. It can be passionate when you are one who cares deeply about what you're praying about. There's Real quickly, there's a story from 1 Samuel that you're probably familiar with with Hannah when she prays passionately to God. And, and the priest who she's there with and thinks that she is, she's drunk, she's had too much wine, and she says, you know, don't take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Passionate prayers. It is okay to be open and honest with God and to pray with Passion. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that every time that you pray, you should be yelling at God. Or every time that you pray, you should just be, just be so angry or anything like that. But if you never have moments, if you never have moments where you're that open, that passionate, that relational with God, then maybe, maybe you're doing it wrong. God wants to hear your heart. He wants you to be open and honest and passionate with him. Let me move to our last couple ideas. The, The next one I have for you is to pray with thankfulness. Paul adds in our text, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and thankful. Now, this is the one that most people are really, really good at or really bad at, right? Either your prayers are filled with asking God for things or they're prayed with thanking God for things. And so, some of us have this well, but Paul mentions this all over when he writes throughout the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5, he says that thankfulness, thanksgiving is the natural result of the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of it. When you have the Spirit inside of you, the thankfulness automatically comes out. Philippians chapter 4, he tells us that we shouldn't do anything out of anxious thoughts, but in everything we should pray and to give thanks to God in all that we do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says at all times, we should pray, and that is God's will for us. That God's will is that you would pray at all times. In Colossians chapter three, he says that believers, that everything that we say or do should be done in the name of the Lord as we give thanks to him. And so this is not just right here, this is all throughout the New Testament, that a Christian Someone who is deeply connected with God, naturally, out of the result of the Holy Spirit, out of what you do and how you live, will continue to be thankful, and that has to be represented in our prayers. I think that's why when I was a kid, I was taught the Acts Prayer. I don't know if you are familiar with that, ever thought of that, but it's an acronym for how to balance your prayers, and so this is the Acts Prayer, right? As you start off your prayers with adoration, praising God, recognizing who He is, that He's the creator of all things, right? You worship God in your prayers. You confess. You confess. Confess your sins. Be real with God. Be open. That helps you have some humility in your life to recognize where you need God, where you have messed up. Thanksgiving, you thank God for how he has blessed you and what he has done for you in your life. And then the S, which we're all really good at, supplication, asking God to show up in your life, asking him for what you need. I was taught this prayer as a kid to help me balance my prayers. Because maybe you are like me sometimes. I spend a whole lot of time on the S, right? Right? God, I need this. God, help me pass this test. God, help me do this. God, help my family. Whatever it is, I'm really good at asking God, but sometimes it's real easy to neglect to thank him or to confess. And so I was taught that to balance, and it's a great way to remind yourself to be thankful in your prayers. Jesus cares about thankfulness. If you remember one of the stories from the gospel, Jesus had healed ten lepers, right? This is, this is the thing that actually happened. And here's what we find in Luke chapter 17 after he heals these ten lepers. It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, "Were not all ten cleansed. Why, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this Foreigner, thankfulness for what God has done for you in your life and is an essential part of living, and it has to be an essential part of prayer. It enables you to have faith and trust that God is going to show up when you remind yourself to be thankful for how he has already shown up in your life. Here's the last idea, is that we pray with intercession. This is a really important one that we need to spend a little bit of time on at the end of, uh, or at the middle of this passage, he says, verse three, he says, and pray for us too, for others. Intercession means praying for other people. A couple of years ago, I sat in the service at my church. Um, a lot of times I, I get to sit and just enjoy service, and I sat um, in a spot I don't normally sit, and I sat next to this lady, me and my wife did, and she looked at me, she recognized that I was on staff, and she says, I just want you to know that I pray for everyone on staff Every single day. It brought just like great comfort to me. Not Honestly, to be honest with you, I've never seen this woman again. Maybe she made it up, I'm not sure. But it brought great comfort to me to know that someone was praying for me. For, for me personally. For, for me by name. Wouldn't you like that for yourselves? To know that someone is, is praying for you? Maybe our first step is to begin praying for others. Maybe that's one of our biggest faults in our prayers is that we pray too much for ourselves, our circumstances, our needs. In reality, maybe we should be spending a whole lot of time praying for other people. If you flip through John chapter 17, one of the few moments that we get to see what Jesus prayed about, a lot of times we see that Jesus withdrew and prayed, Jesus left the group and prayed. We know that Jesus prayed, but what did he pray about? John chapter 17, we get a a really, really close look at what Jesus prayed about. You want to know what it was? It was for other people for his disciples, for other believers. Paul says in Ephesians chapter six, he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. There's that word that we talked about. Be alert, be watchful, and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people, for other people. This is something that we have to learn how to do to make a part of who we are, is that we pray for other people. But the truth is, is that sometimes we need prayer as well. And we need to make our requests known to others. You need to have other people pray for you. David and Tyler can tell you this. That we do this. We, because these guys are my best friends, we make our requests known to each other. And if there's something going on in our lives, we tell each other about it so that we can pray for each other because it's important. Over and over in Scripture, we see that Paul telling the believers to pray for each other. But notice what Paul says to pray about Back in our text, he says he says that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. The hope is that the church would pray for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be advanced. It's remarkable that in Paul's writings, in all of his writings, none of his prayers are about... Uh, his, him or his companions for their circumstances to be changed. And they found themselves in some precarious situations, right? Some dangerous situations. But none of his prayers or God, for them to be rescued from their circumstances is to be endured through them. That the gospel of Jesus would be advanced, that was what he prayed about. And I wonder how often those are the things that we pray for. James, the own brother of Jesus, said this, You do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We need to align our prayers with God in his will in our lives. Jesus represented this. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done. We do this. When you pray with intercession for other people, it changes you and it can change them. But let me close with this. I feel like often... We regularly neglect to pray for anybody other than ourselves. I'm not saying ever. I'm not saying you never do this, but I'm saying routinely, regularly, maybe even persistently, praying for other people every single week. In my church, we end our service with a prayer time. I'm not sure if you do that here or what that looks like, but we end our service after the message, and we say, "If you'd like to come down, um, we'd like to pray for you." And you know what happens? Maybe it happens here. Most people just stay right where they are. I'm good. I don't need prayer, or I don't, or maybe maybe the true sentiment is I don't, I don't need to tell you my prayer request. That's not what the church is. Church is not a place for you to come and to sit and just to do it on your own. It's to be a part of the church. Come, allow someone into your space enough that they can inter, inter, be an intercessory prayer for you on behalf of yourself to the Father wonder if that happens. Let me tell you one quick story as I wrap up. A couple years ago, I, went, I got the opportunity to travel to India and work with a ministry there called CICM. It's called Central India Christian Mission. Their ministry is amazing. Re, I mean, there's over a billion people that live in India, and this ministry is just trying to bring the gospel all throughout all of these remote places that don't know Jesus. And as I sat there and I, I, I preached at a couple of youth conferences, and, and the leader of this ministry, ministry his name's Ajay Lal, well, I, I sat in his office and we talked about life and his ministry and the things that they were doing and we talked about prayer. Because prayer is a central part of their strategy. Right? Not, not just their programs, but, but prayer. And he told me something that I haven't forgot. He said, if you were to tell me a prayer request, now you, you, you send me an email or you tell me a prayer request, we have a prayer chain in our ministry and within 24 hours, over 10,000 people in India will pray for that request. And it blew my mind because, man, how many oftentimes do we get these chains on Facebook or email where you're just like, ah, oh, just delete, right? But they have this prayer chain that over 10,000 people could pray for a single request if you just say it. Prayer is not something that they just use as a transitional moment, it is at the center of everything that they do because they live in a dangerous part of the world to be a Christian. And without God's help, without Him showing up, they know that they won't be successful. And what I want you to know this morning is that without, without a devoted prayer life, you will never experience the type of relationship with God that He has designed you to have. There's no better way to connect to the Father than through prayer. So devote yourself to it and just do something. Do a prayer journal. Pray with someone else. Have some accountability. I don't care what it is. and I don't have time to sit here and give you all the tools. I just want to motivate you to do something. Don't make this something that at the end of your life you say, I wish I would have prayed more. Pray with persistence, with passion, with thankfulness, with intercession. And in the end, in the end, we are not enough unless he meets us. So we go to God in prayer. To meet with him. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much. You are so good to us. Thank you for your son Jesus, the life that he brings us through his life and his death and his resurrection. Every single one of us has an opportunity to spend an eternity with you. God, sometimes we take that for granted. Help us to believe that, to know that, to feel that, for, for the truth of the resurrection to, to change our lives and that it manifests itself out, that we know the importance of it and tell others about it. God, help us to truly recognize what you have done for us. Help us, Lord. Help me to recognize the importance of prayer. We know, we know. We, from, from being kids, the, the answer is always read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. So often in our lives, we can find ourselves with our Bible on our shelf and we're too busy to pray. God, give us give us the, give us the desire in our hearts to connect with you, to pray, to talk to you because we know that you love us. We know that you want to have a relationship with us You don't want us to just go through the motions and go through the routines. You want us to live life with you. Help us to connect with you, God. I pray that you would put that in our hearts and help us. God, help us to pray consistently. Help us to pray with energy, with passion. Help us to be thankful to you. And God, make us vulnerable enough to pray with each other. All these things in the name of Jesus, amen.